Psalm 138. Psalm 138. I know that we've been in the book of Joshua, but uh, this is where the Lord's directed me tonight out of Psalm 138. And of course, we're getting uh, ready for meeting for revival. And uh, lest I forget to say it again, as I said in the onset of the service, uh, we will not have Sunday school this coming Sunday morning. No Sunday school, but we will start service at 1030 uh, this coming Sunday morning. And then, of course, it's homecoming as well. And so uh, y'all always rise to the occasion and, uh, and have just plenty for us to eat. And then we'll come back for services uh, Sunday night, Lord willing. We do have some prayer requests. We'll go over those at the conclusion of the message. And I don't know how long I'll take tonight, but uh, I do want to share this with you. Out of Psalm 138, of course, this is one of the great Psalms of David. And David is the penman here. I want to focus in on verse number seven, but I do want to read this entire psalm. He said, I will praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth, for thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. In the day when I cried, thou answerest me and strengthenest me with strength in my soul. All the kings of the earth shall praise thee, O Lord, when they hear the words of thy mouth. Yea, they shall sing in the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. Though the Lord be high, yet hath he respect unto the lowly, but the proud he knoweth the far off. Verse seven, though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Thou shalt stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of mine enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. Forsake not the works of thine own hands. And I want to preach a little bit tonight out of verse number seven, a little bit about revival. And we know that, of course, we're going into revival meeting, and I hope that we all get revived. I do believe that probably some people need to get vibed because you can't get revived until you get vibed. You cannot get revived until you get saved by the grace of God. But everybody saved tonight is a candidate for revival. I need revival. I'm in need of revival. I don't think I've ever got to a place where I don't feel like that I cannot use a rekindling. And that's what revival is. It is a rekindling. It means to live again. It means to get a fire that's almost snuffed out and stir it up again. We've already heard that tonight. Even in a prayer, Brother McCracken talked about the preacher and getting stirred up. I'm stirred up about revival. I'm stirred up about Jesus tonight, amen. I'm stirred up about the church. I'm just stirred up about what God is doing because God is stirring in the hearts of the people of the church. And I bless the Lord for that. I believe we can have revival these days. I still believe it because the Bible says that we can. But I want you to look and see what the psalmist said and I'll skip some introduction and try to get right on into the meat of the message. But he said, though I walk in the midst of trouble. And I thought about this. He was proceeding in the fight or he was persevering in the fight. Now don't read too much into that. I'm not a hyper-Calvinist. I believe God died for everybody and I believe that he'll save anybody. But there is some stickability in the life of a saint of God. There is a continuing in the life of a saint of God. And he said, yea, though I walk in the midst of trouble. And I thought about this. He's proceeding. He's, he is persevering. He's keeping on going even though he's walking in the midst of trouble. And if you're going to walk, you need some direction to walk. You need some determination. And what he didn't do was quit when he was in the midst of 
or trouble. He said, though I walk, he kept going. And that means you do not quit. You do not lay your armor down. They spend sometimes, I guess, and I've heard these preachers say, well, I've resigned on Monday morning and I've quit every Monday morning. Lord, please, I don't want that to ever come to pass in my life. But I, don't, I haven't got up on Monday morning and said, man, I think I'll do this or I think I'll quit. I think I'll throw in the towel. I'm not saying you couldn't do it. And I'm not saying anybody in here could just not quit on God. But I'm telling you, listen, I throwed my towel and everything in 25 years ago. I don't own a towel no more. I mean, listen, I waved the white flag thrown in the towel all at the same time. Uh, where would you go back to if you quit? There's nothing to go back to. I mean, there's nothing in this world that'll satisfy you and there's nothing that'll please you other than Jesus Christ. But he said, I'm gonna keep right on walking. That's why the Bible said in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, therefore, my beloved brethren, be you steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. By the grace of God, in revival time, we're gonna keep right on preaching. We're gonna keep right on praising God. We're gonna keep right on praying. We're gonna keep right on shouting. When God gets in it like he did tonight, if you wanna run, praise God, run on, amen. It doesn't bother me at all. We're still gonna love a lost and dying world. We're still gonna continue to go to the down and outer. We're still gonna preach the gospel. We're still gonna continue to love our neighbors. We're still gonna reach out to the widows and the fatherless. We're gonna keep the food bank going. Praise God, we're gonna keep walking. With the help of the Lord, we're gonna remain faithful and keep working in God's kingdom no matter what the surroundings are. The Bible said in Galatians 6 and verse 9, and let us not be weary in well-doing for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Did anybody hear about that fellow, that guy in the 2010 Summer Olympics? Did y'all hear about this? That he won the gold medal in the 400 meter, meter hurdles even though he quit halfway through the race. Did anybody read about that? I didn't either because that didn't happen and ain't gonna happen. You're not gonna win a medal. You're not gonna win a race if you quit halfway through. I'm telling you, listen, just keep going. And I tell you, you know how you walk? You do it one step at a time, all right? I mean, it may be slower and you may be feeble, but keep walking. Keep continuing to try to grow closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, something about the Olympics I was reading, it said at the conclusion of the 1968 Summer Olympics there, and I think that was in Mexico City, the public address announcer said that a final marathoner, Brother Clark, you'll like this, would be making his way into the arena and around the track to the finish line. I'll say this tonight. I'll give you an illustration about marathon runners, but I probably will never give you a personal illustration about a marathon runner, amen, unless you're running to the buffet line. And uh, it, it said that, that the final marathoner would be making his way into the arena and around the track to the finish line. The last marathoner had come in hours ago. I mean, the last one had made it in hours ago, but there was somebody else that was out there. The medals had already been awarded and uh, everybody was wondering what was taking this fellow so long. This man's name was John Stephen Aquari. He was from Tanzania. Y'all know where that is. Uh, he was covered with blood. He hobbled into the light and the fans there in the stadium began to roar and, and began to shout. And uh, he had taken a horrible fall early in the race. He had uh, whacked his head. He had damaged his knee and he endured a trampling before he could get back to his feet. And there he was over 400 kilometers. That's 25 miles later. He stumbled his way to the finish line. The crowd encouraged Mr. Aquari through the last few meters of his race with a thundering ovation that far exceeded the one given the man 
man who hours earlier had won the marathon. When a quarry crossed the finish line, he collapsed into the arms of medical personnel who immediately whisked him off to the hospital. The next day, a quarry appeared before sports journalists to fill their questions about his feet. And the Bible, and, and the Bible didn't say this. The Bible said this, though. said, let us not be weary and well-doing. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying keep on going. Even though you're black and bruised and you're bloody, even though you've fall, fallen down and you feel like you can't get up, even this world is trampling on you. Listen to what this man said. He said, after sustaining the kinds of injuries you did, would you ever get up and proceed to the finish line? Why did you do that when there was no way you could possibly place in the race? John Stephen Aquari said this. He said, my country did not send me over 11,000 kilometers to start a race. They sent me over 11,000 kilometers to finish one. Now I'm gonna read that again. He said, my country did not send me over 11,000 kilometers to start a race. They sent me over 11,000 thousand kilometers to finish one. And listen, that's the way we ought to be. Even though we're beaten and even though we're bruised and even though we're bloodied by the ways of the world and trampled by the ways of the world. Thank God, listen, when God saved you and God changed you, God put you on a path of righteousness and praise God, there is no place to let up. There is no place to go idle. There is no place to hit neutral. There's no place to hit cruise control. Just keep on walking. You may not be able to run like you used to run. You might not be able to even jog like you used to jog, but praise God, you can keep walking. Walk on, walk on for Jesus. Somebody sang this song, I'm not gonna walk away. I've got too much at stake. I've come too far to turn back now. Every battle that I fought will soon be forgot, and I'm trading this old cross in for a crown. I mean, listen, don't give up. Just keep on walking. He said, though I walk, you may not feel like running, and you you may not feel like jogging, but just keep a good pace. Just keep steady. I mean, just keep going and take one step at a time. He said, though I walk, and listen, let me say this, in order to walk, you've got to take the first step. And the Bible does say in 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 2, for he saith, I've heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. He said, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. What are you waiting on? If you're not saved, you gotta take the first step and be saved by the grace of God. And if you're gonna walk with God, if you're gonna walk hand in hand with Jesus, you gotta take the first step and be saved because Jesus could come back today. Uh, the Spirit of God is dealing with people today. Hebrews 3 and verse 7 said, wherefore as the Holy Ghost saith, today if you'll hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Amen. The Bible said this, wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said they do always err in their heart and they have not known my ways because they dragged around. The Spirit of God was drawing. The Spirit of God was moving and he said today if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. I mean this could be the day that Jesus Christ comes back again uh, but you've got to get the first step out of the way. You've got to take the step of salvation and then you can walk with God. And so you see here that, that this man had proceeded in the fight. David said I'm keeping on walking. I've got the right direction and I've got the right determination 
determination. But not only was he proceeding in the fight, but he said there's some problems that we are going to face. He said, though I walk in the midst of trouble. Now the word trouble in verse seven, it has a connotation to it of being in a tight spot. And I'm telling you, there'll be some times in our life where we get in a tight spot. I mean, I'm talking about when you get saved and God will rescue your life from destruction, you was in a tight spot. I mean, you didn't know where to go. The world had had you hemmed up. The world and the flesh and the devil had you in a tight spot. And God, praise God, put you in a large place. And the psalmist talked about that a lot. Putting you in a large place. Praise God, I am free tonight through the Lord Jesus Christ. But you can get in a tight spot after you get saved by the grace of God. Sometimes you'll put yourself in a tight spot. Sometimes the world might put you in a tight spot. The devil wants to put you in a tight spot. But I'm telling you, you can still have revival. You can still have a touch of God in your life, even in a tight spot, because God is the God of revival. And I tell you, sometimes we get in a tight spot. I don't like, listen, and some of these guys, they know this, I don't like being on an elevator at all. I mean, listen, I don't like doing it. And when I was in vandalism, I mean evangelism, when I worked for R.V. Stanley, this is how desperate I got. I worked for R.V. Stanley sometime moving, moving trailers. And we'd get up in under there. I mean, I'm telling you, I knew it was either get up in under there or whatever. And I mean, praise God, he let me drive that pilot car, a pilot truck every now and then or, or whatever you call it. I was the one up there talking on a 10-4, go ahead and all that. But sometimes I'd have to get up in under them houses. And I'm telling you, I don't like spiders and snakes. I don't like what goes on up in under there, but I don't like being hemmed up in under there. I mean, I'm claustrophobic. I, I just don't like it, amen. I'm coming out somehow, some way. I'm not I don't like getting in a tight spot. But sometimes God will allow us to get in a spiritual tight spot for us to show that, praise God, when he shows up, he can clean out the room, he can kick out the walls, and praise God, he can set you free, amen. Even though we're walking in the midst of trouble, what David comes to the realization is, yes, I'm surrounded by trouble, I'm right in the middle of a tight place, but I can still have revival. Amen, I am so tired of hearing about this political and that political and listen, whatever went on at Mar-a-Lago or whatever, I mean, whatever went on down there, I'm tired of hearing about what happened at Mar-a-Lago. I mean, whatever they find out, they find out. I mean, listen, now I'm not trying to get political tonight and I hope I hadn't hit a snag there. I mean, listen, y'all, we gotta get beyond, we gotta get beyond being so possessed what, what has happened politically and understand that God is still on the throne. Yes, things are bad and they're bad at the White House. And sometimes it might get bad at your house. But I'm telling you, we are in a tight spot in our country. We might get a tight spot in the church. You might get in a tight spot in your community. But I'm telling you, God is a God of revival, even though it looks bad. I tell you, when I begin to study about this, I would think about those days of Brother Fane Jordan, I mean, preaching about revival. And listen, I'm talking about would stir your soul. Uh, because God had put it in his heart to preach about revival. Now, I probably don't preach about it enough, but praise God, I like it, amen. I mean, I like getting revived. Sometimes my flame has flickered, but I'm telling you, God started a fire in my soul 25 years ago, and praise God, uh, sometimes, sometimes, it'll get down to a smoldering stage, uh, and I'll get in a tight spot, and God will just show up and start moving some things around and start widening some things out. Praise God, so he can come in and show up, hallelujah. You think about we're in a tight spot in our country. The spiritual 
uh, situation in our country is bad, and that is an understatement. The spiritual foundation of this nation is nearly gone. Nearly gone, and that's being optimistic to say it's nearly gone. Now listen, y'all know better than me. I'm, I'm not voting for a Democrat, all right? And so let me go back and clear that up just in case, just in case, just while ago you thought about it. Is he thinking about voting Democrat? No, I'm just telling you. You, be, you hope better not be in a, in a Republican or Democrat, Libertarian or whatever. Your hope, our hope for revival does not lie in the fact of what happens in November. Our hope is not gonna be what happens in November. I mean, listen, I won't take back the House. I won't take back the Senate. I won't take back everything we can take back. Amen. We, we've lost a whole bunch, but I tell you what we haven't lost or who we haven't lost, we haven't lost God. We have not lost God. He said, though I walk in the midst of trouble, but he recognized that trouble does not have to dictate the state of mind of the child of God. If you walk around and, and pump your mind full of that, Brother Ellis, I'm telling you, what a convicting message Sunday night. I'm talking about the fact of picking up and looking at the news. Everybody's done it. That's why it got so quiet when he was preaching on that. I mean, you will kind of want to know what's going on and kind of want to know what's going to happen. I'll tell you what's happening right now. God is wanting to bless and God is wanting to move and God is the God of revival and God has put us in the midst of this trouble, in the midst of 2022, in the midst of high gas prices, in the midst of high material prices, in the midst where it looks like it cannot be done. That's exactly when God does it. And David said, I'm walking in the midst of trouble. I ain't got time to preach all this tonight. But you think about the trouble. I'm talking about a man who knew what real trouble was. When he first got started, he had trouble with Saul. That is a picture of the flesh. When you first get saved by the grace of God, you're going to have trouble with your flesh. And Saul ro rose up against him and tried to take him out. And twice took a javelin and tried to take his life. So he got away, if you will, from that persecution of the flesh. He was able to get away from the flesh when the flesh was after him. But when the persecution of Saul was over with, he had trouble with the foreign enemies. 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 17, which is a picture of the world. He said, but when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines came up to seek after David. So he got, he got victory somewhat over the flesh, and then he's facing some foes, and then, listen, he has problems in his family. You read after that, Absalom rises up against him. And so he's facing his foes and he's facing uh, the people that are against him in the picture of the flesh. He's facing the world, the flesh. And now he's facing even his own family members. I'm telling you, there's not family members that can stop you from having revival. And there's not a foe that can stop us from having revival. Even this flesh, the flesh doesn't want us to have revival, but thank God you can have revival if you've got God on the inside of you. Amen. He told them in the Old Testament, he said, do not ever let the fire go out. Don't ever let the fire go out. I mean, listen, we ought to be some spiritual pyromaniacs around here. Amen. If a church catches it on fire, amen, we got plenty of cameras around here to, to catch it. But I'm telling you, we need some spiritual fire starters. 
and we need somebody in the house of God. And I mean, I, I want to be a candidate. <laughs> I want to be right in line and say, God, <laughs> I need revival. Touch the men of God to deal with my sin. Preach against something I'm doing. God, point the things out in my life. I preached about out of Leviticus in chapter 14 right around in there uh, where there was a sin that had got in the house or leprosy had got in the house. And here's what he said. He said, go and get the priest and get the priest to come in the house and look inside the walls and say if there's something that looks greenish. Not green, if it looks greenish. He said, look and see if it looks reddish. Not green, not red, but greenish. Reddish. He said, even if it even looks like leprosy, I want you to deal with it. Even if it might even have a taint of leprosy, I want you to deal with it. That's what I'm praying the preachers will do. Hey, y'all mark this down. I ain't never telling a man of God what to come in this church and preach. So if I get hit with it, if you get hit with it, uh, we just all bow our head and say, thank God for speaking to me, amen? I hope God touches the men of God. If we shout her out, we'll shout her out. If we fill the altars every night and repent, praise God for that, amen? Sometimes it takes some removing. Sometimes it takes us getting in a tight space, a space and trouble for God to do a work in our life. I mean, David, this man walked in the midst of trouble. I'm not talking about his carriage quit on him and he went in the depths of depravity. Man, I'm not talking about his alternator went out. I'm talking about here's a, Saul is out to get him with a javelin. <laughs> I mean, here's the enemies, the Philistines. Every one of them come up against him. He said, but though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. The place, the, where did he place his faith? He said, though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Psalm 85 verse six said, wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? But here he said, thou wilt revive me. I tell you, there's been times in my life where I've said, wilt thou not revive us again? Wilt thou not move again? Wilt thou not save again? Wilt thou not call people again? Wilt thou not move again? And praise God, he's moved again and again and again. And now I can say along with the psalmist David, he said, wilt thou? But now he says, thou will. I have been saved long enough to understand that God can revive somebody that wants revival. You can count on God to have revival if you're counting on God to have revival. Amen. We've got to have God. Amen. The Bible said in Psalm 42, when the psalmist is crying out and he said, as the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. He said in verse number five, why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. And the Bible also said this, verse 11, why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and, uh, countenance and my God. He said, why art thou cast down? They sang that song tonight. Cheer up, my brother. I mean, Listen, you can cheer up. Uh, Jesus said in this world, ye shall have tribulation. He said, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Praise God, he's still God tonight. God the Father, our heavenly Father, all powerful God loves us and cares for us and he can send revival in 2022. Jesus Christ, of course, the shepherd, our provider, our healer, he can provide revival. The Holy Ghost of God, the guide, the helper, the comforter can give us revival. 
Brother Ellis preached about this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are the they which do hunger after righteousness. That is continual. You're doing. You're hungering after righteousness. The Bible said you shall be filled. But it's personal focus, and I'm done. He said, though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive, Brother Mike Janot. Amen. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive my wife. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive, Brother Kendall. Thou wilt revive, Brother Ellis. No, because I can't revive them. I can't do a thing in the world about them. I sure can't do anything. No, I'm just kidding, honey. <laughs> what we don't want to do, what we don't want to do during revival, they say, well, I wonder where Brother So and So's at tonight. You know, I, I wonder where uh, I wonder where Sister Wigglejaw's at tonight. I, I wonder why in the world that she's not here for revival. I wonder why he's not here for revival. I can't control that, and you can't control that either. And you can't make people. Buddy, that's a reality set in in my life. You can't make nobody. You can't make nobody show up. You can't make nobody serve God. Amen. God will make them wish they had. He'll make them wish they had, but I, I can't do that. So what I've come to the point, I say, okay, though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Brother Mike, you pray a lot. You pray a lot. Not my brother. It's not my sister, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. You know what he said in Psalm 26 and verse two? Examine me, oh Lord, prove me. Not examine everybody else. Not try to figure out what's going on in everybody else's life. You don't know what's going on in everybody's life. I don't know what's going on in everybody's life. That's, that's why you cannot read people sometimes. You don't know what they've been through. I mean, listen, they made kidney stone. I mean, we got people in this church that got kidney stone and come to church with them. Amen. I mean, listen, but when you have a kidney stone attack, it wouldn't matter if I said, listen, the Apostle Paul, is he's going to show up tonight and he's preaching instead of Brother John Morgan. You couldn't come here and wouldn't come here because of a kidney stone. I understand that sometimes things prevent you from getting down to the house of God. I understand sometimes you can't get down to church like you would like to. But I'm telling you, if God shows up and you are here and you want to be revived, he will revive you. He is not going to tell you, no, I cannot revive you as long as you've got the line clear. If you now say, now, wait a minute, God, don't deal with me about this or I'm not stopping this or I'm not repenting of this, forget about it. But when you say, search me, oh God, try me, know my thoughts, see if there be any wicked way in me, God, I want you to turn the search lights on in my life. If we'll do that in these days and say, God, deal with me. Lord, I need help. I need reviving. I need to be rekindled again. I need the fire to be burning again. Praise God, he will send us revival. You say, you believe the church can, you believe we can? Well, I believe me can. Amen. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. I'm telling you what we're doing in this life right now, after you're saved, 
we are headed to the judgment seat of Christ. And it's saved people. If you got sin in your heart, if you'd be willing to pray, create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. And I believe, and people say, well, the revival in the New Testament, revival cannot be found in the New Testament. Well, I believe if you look in the New Testament and study the New Testament, walking in the fullness of the spirit, walking in the spirit. You say, you can't do that. All right, well, the book of the Revelation in chapter number one, and here's what John said. John said in verse number eight, it's speaking about Christ, I am Alpha and the, and the Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, <laughs> which is and which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation, and then the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was in the Marriott Hotel, that is called Patmos. No. He said, I was in the isle that is called Patmos. He wasn't in the Marriott. He wasn't up somewhere in a high-rise building up on the 31st floor in the suite. He wasn't being catered to. He wasn't eating hors d'oeuvres. I mean, I tell you, he was, the Bible said he was in the isle of Patmos. This was a prison place. It was a deserted island. It's where they sent the worst of the worst of the worst. And here's what he said. I was in the aisle that is called Patmos for the word of God and the testimony of Christ. He said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. He didn't sit, sit around and say gloom, despair, and agony on me. Why did God put me on this isle of Patmos? I don't have no friends over here. I don't have any buddies over here. He said, no, I was in the spirit. I believe John experienced revival in a place where nobody would ever think there'd be revival. I'm talking about he got revived. He got the revelation of Christ when he was at a deserted island. Praise God, if he can have revival on a deserted island, surely me and you can have it when we got people around the house of God full of the Holy Ghost of God and good singers and two great men of God to come in and preach to us that are full of the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. If he can have revival on an island, surely you and I can have revival in 2022 in a local New Testament Baptist church. And it's gonna start with each individual one of us. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. And Brother Caden testified of this fact. He said God's burdened him about prayer. We're going to pray here in just a moment. 